0: Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 338 of the podcast. Unless you happen to be joining me live on Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube to catch the show live, subscribe on one or all of those platforms, turn on your notifications so you can join me live. Today is Sunday, November 12th, one day removed. From UFC 295, more importantly, more one day removed from Veterans Day. So I hope you told all of the military veterans in your life how much you appreciate them and thank them for their service. And I will do the same here on this platform. Thank you to everyone who has served and to everyone who is currently serving. All those brave uh, men and women stationed around the world who will be veterans at some point. So why not? Why wait until your veterans to say thank you? I'll do it right now. So thank you to you all uh, for protecting our freedoms here. I know it's a scary time out there in the world right now. So uh, definitely wishing the best to everybody out there who is uh, doing their duty protecting us and, you know, hoping... Hoping the dust settles sooner than later on a lot of things globally. But we're here to talk about mixed martial arts. So let's talk about UFC 295. Madison Square Garden. The most famous arena in the world. Uh, I have a lot of great memories of Madison Square Garden. I grew up in New York, as many of you well know. Uh, Saw some awesome Concerts and sporting events and uh WWE, there. I was just talking to somebody about this last night, I think it was SummerSlam 1992 that I saw at Madison Square Garden, I don't remember. Um, but my my buddy Sam Roberts, who you may know, he does the, the serious XM morning radio show with jim norton and uh, he's still very big into the wwe world uh, his, his dad used to get us tickets to uh to go to the wwe events and it, that was awesome when we were in middle school 10 11 years old uh there was nothing better than uh, than being able to go to uh, professional wrestling um so yeah shout out to sam uh who actually was on episode 12 of MMA on the Rocks. Uh, I had him on to discuss, uh, I think, I think it was right before CM Punk was about to fight (laughs) because I didn't know anything about the guy. So I interviewed Sam to ask him about his background to see if he could give me any insight. And of course we all know how that turned out. So, and we talked about Brock Lesnar and, and talked about some other things that episode was actually filmed or recorded rather. So there's no, there was no video of "Man on the rocks at the time. So it's audio only. It was recorded at the Sirius XM studio where they used to, uh, where they used to record Opie and Anthony. Uh, for those of you who grew up in the, in the, the Northeast, like I did, you probably remember Opie and Anthony. Um, so if you want to, Check out a, a good uh a good throwback episode of MMA on the rocks. Episode 12 uh was a fun one. I, uh, you know, I was a little I was a little less comfortable on the microphone than I am now. You know, not that I'm not that I'm some kind of uh professional broadcaster or anything. Uh <laughs> I still do this uh mostly under the influence and mostly for fun but let's get into it right so i have to start here i have to start with my friend friend of the show matt steamroller for fellow new yorker grew up on long island spent time in tampa florida for college where he was training at Gracie tampa south and uh you know moved back to new york now training with uh Longo weidman Um, back in Long Island. So he has his fight at Madison Square Garden. Huge moment for him, main car of the pay-per-view. And he gets caught by an up-and-coming fighter that nobody else wanted to fight. Matt answered the call. He said yes. He gave Benoit Saint-Denis an opportunity, even though the man was not ranked and Matt was. I think Matt... Felt like he needed to pay it forward because Drew Dober gave him, you know, that same opportunity and Matt was able to capitalize on it. So he paid it forward to Benoit Saint-Denis and he paid the price for it. Uh, It was an exciting fight while it lasted. Uh, It seemed like Matt couldn't quite get settled down in there. Uh, we We saw some grappling exchanges. He was able to get Benoit down. Uh, He got swept. And then Benoit was throwing what looked like a body kick. And I would have read it as a body kick as well. So Matt kind of braced for the body kick. And at the last minute, Benoit turned the knee up and over. And it became a head kick. And, uh, you know, I'm sure it was a damn hard one. Because I know how hard Matt Frivola's head is. So... What are you gonna do? It's a game of inches. So he gets caught uh, on the biggest stage of his career, you know, main card, Madison Square Garden. Uh, but from everything I've seen, I haven't spoken to him, but from everything I've seen, he's having a great attitude about it, uh, which is to be expected. If you if you know the steamroller at all, or if you've heard him talk at all, you know he's such a positive guy, and because of that, I'm sure he's going to bounce back. He's going to be back stronger. Um, he, he's going to have a tough test in front of him for his next fight, I'm sure. Uh, but he's going to be really well prepared. So hopefully, he takes some time and rests up and gets himself a few bacon, egg, and cheese bagels, and and then gets back on the grind, uh, which I'm sure he will. Credit to Benoit Saint Denis, man. It, it this is a this is a tough sport. You know when you get when you get to know people in this sport, it can really break your heart sometimes. You know, when you see people that you're friendly with and that you like um, get in there and get hurt, it, it sucks. Especially when it happens with a guy like Benoit Saint-Denis because you can't even hate the guy. You know, he gets on the microphone and he's totally classy uh, <laughs> and respectful. and. uh you know he he seems like a really nice dude and he's an absolute killer at the same time. So credit to him, he just got a huge win as of probably Tuesday. He's gonna be ranked in the top 15. and I imagine people will continue avoiding him. you know, there's not a whole lot of Matt frivolas on the roster that are just gonna say yes. Um but I wonder who would. I think Bobby Green would be a fun fight. Benoit Saint. Denis and Bobby Green would be awesome. I would love to see Dan Hooker if, you know, if Dan decides he's staying at, uh, at lightweight Dan Hooker and Benoit Saint Denis. uh Raphael Faziv and Benoit Saint-Denis. Tell me that wouldn't be an exciting fight down the line. Um. Yeah, and I wonder if Matt will be dropped out of the top 15 because he was ranked 14th going into this fight, and he was one spot ahead of Drew Dober, who he has a, a, a win over. So, you know, maybe he won't even be dropped out of the top 15, and maybe he can still fight up. Uh, there are some interesting fights for him. There as well. I mean, Steamroller and Bobby Green would be a fun fight also. Uh, so, uh, let's see. Joe, with three E's, says Steamroller versus Patty next. I mean, Steamroller has been calling out Patty for the longest time, and Patty wants no part of it. I don't blame him. If I was the UFC, I would keep him far away from the Steamroller also, if that's a guy that they want to really build up and, and get him close to contendership, they're going to have to keep him far away from guys like Matt Frivola because he will absolutely demolish him. Um, but I would love to see that payday for Matt frivola. so I'm all for that idea. Let's do it. Matt Temple, 3-2 and two on his picks. So if you guys aren't aware uh my buddy matt the mechanic comes on the show we do episodes on thursdays exclusively on youtube so make sure you're subscribed on youtube where uh matt will predict uh the entire main card and i will criticize him on his picks but uh this is the first week that you know he was actually on the up and up and i did horribly this week because I picked a parlay you guys know me I typically don't give picks but I decided to actually play a parlay uh, and I bet money on the three fighters on the card from law MMA so of course Matt for Nazim Sadikov and Dennis Bazukia. Um and obviously we know how that all turned out so. Uh, Joe also says Steamroller versus Money Moicano. That's a fun fight. That's a fun fight as well. Moicano is dangerous since he's moved up from Featherweight for sure. Um, yeah, all right. So I had to get that out of the way. I had to address that first, uh, because Steamroller is a buddy of mine. So I wanted to, uh, I wanted to make sure that I led the show with that. So now let's. Rewind and start at the main event here. Alex Perea becomes the new light heavyweight champion, defeating Yuri Prohaska. Um, and the light heavyweight championship has uh, had like kind of a weird history, uh, for the past year or so because Yuri had to give up the title, he had a shoulder injury, so then. Uh, Jan Blahovic fights uh, whoever he fought. The, the name's escaping me right now. I'm sure I could look it up. Um, and they fight to a draw. I'm going to have to pull that up now because it's going to bother me. Oh, Magomed Ankalaev. So Magomed Ankalaev and Jan Blahovic fight for the vacant title. They fight to a draw, Dana White gets pissed off and he says neither of you are going to be the champion. We're going to do Jamal Hill versus Glover Teixeira in Brazil like immediately. Uh <laughs> Jamal Hill becomes the champion, then he gets injured, has to vacate the belt, and then Yuri Prhasco winds up fighting for the belt that he vacated in the first place. So, that's how we got here. And this was a fight that it you know, if you guys have been listening to the show, I've been calling for this fight ever since Patea beat Izzy for the first time. I wanted him to move up immediately to light heavyweight when Yuri was the champ at the time, and I wanted this fight to come together. It didn't disappoint. It was an exciting fight. I mean, these guys were clipping each other. Um, Yuri looked a little more light on his feet, a little more wily in there. Uh, He had a lot more tricks up his sleeve. He got caught in... Kind of a weird guillotine uh, in the first round. And he was able to weather it and drop to a high crotch and was able to take Alex Padilla down and sneak his way out of that guillotine. It seemed as though he had such an easy time with the takedown that if the fight had gone on, he probably could have gone to that well a few more times. Uh, Ends up getting dropped in the second round towards the end of the second round. And um, Mark Goddard stops it. And, you know, a lot of people thought Alex was landing some illegal elbows as Prosk was going down. You know, maybe, maybe not. It's kind of hard to see. He's got that giant, like, samurai ponytail or whatever he had. Um, so, you know, maybe it was hard to see. If he was hitting the back of the head or not, must have been hard for Mark Goddard. Of course, I criticized Mark Goddard right away. You guys know he's not my favorite referee for a plethora of reasons. Um, so I was very critical of him off the bat, saying it was an early stoppage and that he shouldn't be refereeing these big time fights anymore. Uh, I went and did an Instagram story about it, saying pretty much exactly what I just said. Um, but you know, then after the fact, Yuri kind of came forward, honorable guy that he is, and kind of admitted that he was out. So it looked like he was fighting back. He was trying to grab the legs of Padea, but, you know, he says he was out. So, you know, maybe he was out. Maybe it was a good stoppage. Um, it, you know, I, I always jump at the opportunity to pick on Mark Goddard, but maybe he was able to see that in there. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. So that's that. We have Alex Padea, who just got inducted to the Glory Kickboxing Hall of Fame. I don't know what that really means to anybody. Apparently, there's only three people in it. Um, so now there's already talk about him being one of the greatest combat sports athletes of all time. He was a two-division champion in glory. He's now been a two-division champion in the UFC with only like just over 10 fights in mma which is insane like nobody's ever done that nobody's ever won a championship uh, in the modern era of mma with only 10 fights that's that's a crazy accomplishment and of course he was able to uh fast track to that title shot because he had the wins over israel adesanya in kickboxing so that's why you know he was able to to get the fast pass to the middleweight championship wins it loses it back to Izzy then moves up to 205 pounds uh, where he basically belongs gets a questionable decision win over Jan Blachowicz, and then you know kind of gets a questionable finish over Yuri Prohaska. but here we are at the end of the day Uh, everybody's just going to see what's in the record books. Nobody's really going to remember the details. Uh, They're going to see that he was the middleweight champion, and then he went on to become the light heavyweight champion. And he accomplished the same thing in the last sport he was in. So the guy is just championship material. He's a stone-cold killer. And apparently the Jamal Hill fight is next. They had Jamal Hill there. It was kind of awkward, but it it seems like they couldn't confirm that he's clear to fight. So that got a little weird, but you know, great. Let's make it happen. Let's keep playing musical chairs with this light heavyweight championship. Um I think it's awesome. You know, light heavyweight was you know, it was always one of the most exciting divisions. You know, you had the the Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz feud. You had Chuck Liddell and Randy Couture trilogy. Um, you know, you had a, a, so many exciting fights at light heavyweight over the years. And then, of course, when John Jones went on his run, he just dominated that division for so long. Uh, and we saw so many great performances out of him until he eventually um, relinquished the belt to move up to heavyweight. Which, you know, we were supposed to see him defend the heavyweight championship, but we all know what happened there. Torres Peck. And um, here we are. So that fight was replaced with what became the co main event Tom Aspinall and Sergey Pavlovich fighting for the interim heavyweight championship. Now, I'm kind of curious what's going to happen with this because let's say John Jones isn't going to come back because. He was talking about how the Stipe fight was going to be his last fight. You know, maybe he was near the end. So, an injury like this, uh, completely torn pectoral muscle, is not something you can just, you know, take some Advil <laughs> and get back in the gym. Like, this is going to be an eight month recovery before he's even able to train again. Uh, and he's no spring chicken. So, and then when he gets back in there, is he going to want the Stipe fight? So then, are are we gonna have, you know, two guys fighting for the undisputed title, and then is Tom Aspinall gonna defend the interim? Um, you know, it's kind of weird how they just kind of left Stipe out of this equation. You know, are we gonna see Stipe again? Like he was at Madison Square Garden. Why didn't they? Why didn't they set up that fight, Tom Aspinall versus Stipe? I mean, it seems like if John Jones isn't gonna be ready uh for like eight months to a year it would make sense to do Stepe and tom aspinall right In any case let's talk about the performance aspinall gets sergey pavlovich out of there one minute nine seconds of the first round they had a really awkward like hug sort of thing while dan mergliato was was uh giving the the pre-fight breakdown and telling the to touch gloves where they're just kind of like It looked like they were slow dancing at at the middle school prom. Um, You know, just kind of like zombie arming each other. And then, you know, the fight itself was not the cleanest performance. I, you know, I watched it last night and then I went back, watched it again today. You know, Aspinall had his chin like straight up in the air and, and Pavlovich hit him with a few shots that, If they were a half an inch closer, uh, you know, we might be looking at a different champion today. But Aspinall, you know, was able to move his head out of the way of a lot of those shots. And still with his chin up, he was kind of just dipping back. Um, But he was able to catch a nice counter that put uh, Pavlovich down. So, you know, it's heavyweight, man. And Aspinall weighed in actually heavier – than Pavlovich, which is a surprise to a lot of people because Tom Aspinall does not look like he's that big, right? He's actually two inches taller than Pavlovich. I think it's something about his facial hair or, like, he has, like, a baby face, makes him look smaller than he is. Uh So I don't know, but the guy's massive. So obviously he carries – uh he carries a ton of power, uh, at heavyweight. And, you know, we all know that now, especially Sergei Pavlovich. He knows that. So let's see. Lane 99 says, seems to me someone is anointed best of all time every second week. Yeah. You know, it kind of just becomes a talking point for the talking heads to talk about. Uh, not, Not everyone is as creative as me, whereas instead of anointing people the best of all time, I just like drink whiskey and talk about stuff. So there's that. Uh, (laughs) In any case, moving on down the line. uh, Another fun fight, Jessica Andrade and Mackenzie Dern this was an interesting one. Jessica Andrade was, you know, had her back against the wall, three-fight losing streak. Mackenzie Dern was on a hot streak, uh, and Mackenzie looked good in the first round. I mean, her striking did not look bad. I mean, she's she's not at the same gym she was at with Jason Perillo, um, so I don't know what her training was like for this fight, but. You know, her striking has improved so much since she got to the UFC. I mean, it was it was scary bad in her first few UFC fights. But, you know, she's, she's ironed out the wrinkles quite a bit. Uh, I would like to see her fight more with her chin down, uh, which, you know, wasn't doing her any favors last night, that's for sure. But, you know, her hands have gotten a lot faster. She's mixing up her strikes. She gets in and out of the pocket very well. Uh, she moves well on her feet. Her footwork looks good. Uh, it's just, you know, the defense has to catch up to everything else. And, you know, unfortunately for her, it didn't catch up in time for this fight with Jessica Andraj, who has to be pound for pound the most powerful female striker ever. Pound for pound, maybe. I mean, to, to have that kind of power at 115 pounds is just not something we see. You know, we don't see a lot of big knockouts in this weight class, but, you know, Andra just has friggin' dynamite in her hands. So she's able to snap that losing streak and uh, does it against a really tough opponent, Mackenzie Dern, who I believe had not been finished up to that point. Let's see, Mark Fellows is here, joining the podcast. Full disclosure, I lost my bet too, so don't feel bad about your parlay, Bill. Well, I don't feel so bad about losing the money. You know, it's just money. Um, what I do feel bad about is, is you know, seeing a buddy of mine get hurt in there. Um, you know, money is just money. Money will come back, uh, so they say. <laughs> Maybe not. Um, Let's see. Moving on down the line. Obviously, we already talked about Benoit Saint-Denis and Matt Favola. Uh Diego Lopez, man. This kid is an absolute stud with his emo haircut and everything. Uh, if you heard the podcast on Thursday. so He made his UFC debut on short notice against Mazar Ivloev, um, who everybody is has high expectations for and winds up giving him a run for his money. This kid's 28 years old. He's five foot 11 and 145 pounds. Like he's big for this weight class. Uh, just pretty much demolishes Pat Sabatini in the first round minute, 30 seconds. Uh, and that's after finishing Gavin Tucker in a minute, 38 seconds, uh, in his last fight. So, Man, 28 years old. The sky's the limit for this kid. Uh, and if the fighting thing doesn't work out, he can probably be on the next uh, My Chemical Romance uh, reunion tour or something. Uh, let's see. Steve Urseg and Alessandro Costa. So Urseg has a lot of hype behind him at flyweight, and he's big for a flyweight also. Yeah, 5'8", 125 pounds. That's pretty unusual. Um, but yeah, this this dude had a lot of hype. Uh, now 2-0 in the UFC. He pretty much manhandled Costa in the first round. But then, you know, Costa started to come back. I don't think he won a round in this fight, but he at least made it competitive in the second and third. He didn't let Urseg just walk all over him. So... Credit to Costa for at least, you know, toughing it out and, and making it a fight. Because in that first, at the end of the first round, it looked like Ursay was just going to, it was just going to obliterate Costa. Uh, and that didn't end up being the case. We wound up being a pretty tough fight. All right. Lupita Godinez and Tabitha Ricci. How did you guys score this one? Because the scores were all over the place for this fight. I have them here in front of me. I don't I don't know if you guys believe this or not, but I actually did some research for this episode just because I was curious because I, I remember watching this last night and I didn't really have the volume up, but I thought I heard 3027 for Ricci. So now I looked at the scores, and yeah, Brian Miner scored this fight 30-27 to for Tabitha Ricci. Uh, Sal Diamato and Derek Cleary, who I believe are the more experienced judges, had it 29-28 for Godinez. The rounds were different, though. So Derek Cleary gave the second round to Tabitha Ricci. And Sal D'Amato gave the third round to Tabitha Ricci. While Brian Miner gave all three rounds to Tabitha Ricci. So the scores are all over the place. Obviously, it was a really close fight. How did you guys score this one? Um, It seems like a lot of the media gave it either 30-27 or 29-28 to Godinez. So let me know how you scored this one. I don't really have an opinion on it. It was a close fight, but I was just I was just curious what you guys thought about that scoring. So that's why I brought it up. You know, it's all over the place. I always find it weird like when it's a split decision, but that third judge had it 30 27 for the fighter that lost. That's that's always obscure to me. Like we're, what are we looking at here? Like are are we using the same criteria? Are we all being trained the same here? What's going on? I mean, I know flukes happen and, you know, could have been the angle that that guy was at, and it looked like Richie was doing better than she was. I don't know. I don't know what the explanation is. And we're never going to know because the judges never say anything. So here we are. All right, Mataj Rabiki, uh, first-round submission over Roosevelt Roberts, who you know got cut from the UFC for a while and um you know strung some wins together came back and then got submitted with an R bar three minutes eight seconds in the first round so there's that uh here's a fight that I unfortunately have not had a chance to watch yet even though I had money on it Slava Klaus Vyashislav Borishev against Nazim Sadikov um Majority draw in this one. What I understand happened was Claus won the first round. Sadikov almost finished him in the second round with a head kick. So that one was a 10-8. And then apparently Claus won the third round on two of the judges' scorecards. So that would make it a draw. Let me know if I got that right. I plan on going back to watch this one. Maybe on a Thursday episode I, I can give you guys a little bit more of a breakdown what I think went on here. But in any case, majority draw in this lightweight fight. Uh, Jared Gordon, I think the only New Yorker on the card that, that, uh, that did well, knocks out Marco Madsen in the first round. And the story of this fight up until this point was the clinch and the control of Marco Madsen. He was doing a good job of making jared gordon carry his weight he was staying tight in the clinch landing nice knees to the body really hurting jared gordon in there um he was clipping him with punches too but then he started spamming attacks he was spamming the lead hook and jared gordon you know he's very experienced he started getting reads on omadson so by the The fifth or sixth time, whatever it was, that he got caught in that clinch of O'Madson, he realized he could spread him out a little bit. So what I mean by that is in the beginning, O'Madson's clinch was tight. So his elbow was bent. He was keeping Jared Gordon in tight. And he was able to land those knees. Once you get stretched out in the clinch and your arm is extended, you need to let go of the collar tie in MMA. And that's hard for a wrestler to comprehend because in wrestling when you grab a hold of a collar tie you hold on to it for dear life um you know there are just so many setups from the collar tie so even though his arm got extended he held on to the head and jared gordon was able to land an uppercut in the clinch which kind of softened o up to extend the arm and then he came over the top uh with an overhand it was kind of like a hook overhand uh that put marco madsen down and you know jared gordon's a stocky dude he's got he's got a ton of power i heard from guys who uh, saw him during fight week and and said they had no idea how he was going to get down to 155 pounds by the weekend uh because he was he was looking pretty thick uh so he he put that power on, on marco madsen and and got the big finish in front of the hometown crowd. His post-fight speech was awesome. He said how, uh, you know, years ago he was doing heroin in Port Authority, which runs right underneath Madison Square Garden, and now he was fighting. Uh, He's fighting for the UFC in the arena. Uh, It's such a great story. The guy's overcome so much. uh, It's hard not to root for him. So, you know, at least one New Yorker, Uh, was able to get a big win and and get a special moment at Madison Square Garden. So congratulations to Jared Gordon. Uh, John Castaneda, unanimous decision over Kyung-Ho Kang. Joshua Van unanimous decision over Kevin Borjas. And then the first fight of the night, which immediately killed my parlay, Jamal Emers uh, knocks out Dennis Buzukia, 49 seconds in the first round. It seemed like to me Jamal Emmers was able to freeze Bazookia with pressure. So he kind of blitzed in on him a few times and Bazookia didn't really react. He kind of stumbled back a little bit. So Emmers was able to really reach with a right hand and put it right through the guard of Bazookia and drop him. And um, you know, Bazookia just couldn't react in time. Uh you know, he, he got caught looking at the lights, and Jamal Emers, experienced dude, capitalized on it. So, credit to him. Uh, great performance by Jamal Emers. Not a great night for the law MMA boys who go 0-2-1 on the night, which, you know, was definitely not predicted by me in my parlay. but. You know, luckily for the sake of the show, a lot of you are still audio only listeners um, and haven't gotten around to subscribing on YouTube yet. So, you know, maybe a lot of you didn't hear that I picked that parlay, but it doesn't matter because I told you I did anyway. So, the theme of the night here we are. I don't know. What did you guys think? Do you think this fight lived up to, you know, the original booking, which was going to be, you know, John Jones and Stipe? You know, do you think it was still the value? I'll I'll tell you guys full disclosure. I paid for this card, um, and I thought it was entertaining. So it's crazy how much these pay per views have become now. It's, it works out to like. 90 bucks with the tax and everything so we're gonna be uh we're gonna be breaking a benjamin pretty soon on these on these pay-per-views before you know it but probably by the end of 2024 i imagine let's just get away from the the pay-per-view model can we i would rather pay like more monthly and uh and just get every card included um so hopefully they work out something like that you know make it like 22 bucks a month or something i'll cancel netflix and uh you know just pay for the espn 22 bucks a month you get every card you know done deal seems to me like they make more money that way but what do i know i'm just a i'm just a whiskey and mma podcaster Mark says the carbs better. He says, hell yeah, give me two guys in their prime over a 50-year-old Stipe. Yeah, Stipe was like limping into the arena, too. He wasn't looking so great. I wonder if he's got an injury or something going on. All right, so we go from Madison Square Garden back to the UFC Apex next week. UFC Fight Night 232 or UFC Vegas, whatever it is. We got Brendan Allen and Paul Craig. In the main event. And of course we'll take a deeper dive on this card. Uh, on a Thursday episode this week. With Matt the mechanic. He's going to give his picks for the main card. Uh, oh Mark says. If you subscribe to Fight Pass in Asia. You get the pay-per-views included. He says included for free. But it's just included Mark. It's not because it's not free. You're paying for the subscription right. So, pay-per-views are included. All right, I gotta move to Asia maybe. Except I, I already can't deal with the times of these, uh, I, you know, of these fight cards. I can't have the fight cards starting at four o'clock in the morning. So maybe I won't move to Asia. Maybe I'll just stay here. <laughs> the West Coast would be appealing. Like they are the ones that have it made, where the cards consistently start. At like, I don't know. The pay-per-views start at what? Seven PM? Eight PM? That sounds perfect. Um, let's see. So fun main event here. Uh, Brendan Allen, Paul Craig, both very talented grapplers. I think Brendan Allen probably has the advantage on the feet. Paul Craig probably has a slight advantage in the submission game, uh, but you know it's a game of inches so a slight advantage like, what does it really do for you uh i think it's an interesting matchup they're both really long middleweights uh I- i'm glad to see paul craig at middleweight because i i feel like he was he was doing well at light heavyweight obviously he broke the former champ's arm uh in jamal hill but Just slightly underperforming. You're just slightly undersized. And I know it's a big jump, 205 to 185, but I was glad to see him make that transition. Now here he is in the main event. Co-main event, the undefeated Michael Morales, 15-0, getting in there with Jake Matthews. So this is going to be a big test for Morales because Jake Matthews is battle-tested. Morales coming from Ecuador uh and he is obviously undefeated in the UFC 4 and 0 if you count the contender series fight 15 and 0 overall so this is a dangerous kid and moving up on the card um Chase Hooper and Jordan Levitt interesting fight these are two like pretty intriguing characters uh squaring off here they both have like this weird innocence about them, you know, like they're both – Chase Hooper is still, like, a child, so there's that. And Jordan Levitt still he, – he has, like, a childlike innocence about him. uh. But these two guys are – you know, they're going to get in a cage and try and fuck each other up, so I'm here for it. Uh. What else looks good here? Luana Pinero against Amanda Hibas. I like it. A lot of unfamiliar names on this card. There's a lot of fights on this card. 14 fights. All right. Uh I guess we'll leave it we'll leave it at that. Uh we'll we'll go over we'll go over some more of this card and break down the main card in more detail on Thursday. So again, make sure you tune in Thursday nights around 9 PM Eastern standard time. Um, and now, now Matt and Mark are arguing in the comments. Don't make me, don't make me come back there, kids break this up. Subscribe on YouTube. Thursday nights around 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, sometimes 9.30. Depends, uh, you know, when I get home from the gym and, and eat and shower and all of that. Uh, in the meantime, while you're waiting for that show, you can get on Reaper Reaper1.co, order yourself some MMA on the Rocks merchandise, an uh, over-the-top, under-the-influence t-shirt, tank top, or hoodie. You can use the promo code MMAROCKS10. Save yourself 10% on your order right there i will put the links directly in the show notes as always thank you all for tuning in thank you all for sharing the episodes uh for leaving comments for leaving feedback for leaving criticism i appreciate all of it cheers to you all and until next time cheers everybody goodbye